Good morning, it's 9 o'clock Wednesday morning and we are now launching a new series of social media discussion every Wednesday morning for the next few weeks until the summer holidays we'll be getting together at 9 o'clock to 9.30 on Facebook Live, YouTube Live and I look forward to sharing this as well on podcast platforms after the class. For those of you that are tuning in, good morning. I see you all logging on, which is fantastic. Good morning, all. And today's topic is when someone else is a mirror of yourself. When someone else is a mirror of yourself. Great to see you all. Unfortunately, this time round, I'm not going to go and now list names one by one of those of you that are tuning in or sharing your messages online. Please do do it. Please do share your messages. I'd like to see who's on. I'd like to see your greetings. Um, but because this is going to be shared later on as well as, as a podcast for audio listeners after the class, um, I'm not going to be able to greet each person individually this time round, but I do see your comments coming through, which is fantastic. So please keep that coming. Your good morning wishes. I appreciate them. It's nice to interact. It's nice to see you. And I will be reading out questions along the way. So if you have any comments or questions, I'll be more than happy to share them. I want to read them, share them, discuss them, interact with you along the way. And then you're more than welcome to give me your feedback as well, either publicly or personally uh, following the, the discussion. So we're here Wednesday morning, 9 o'clock to 9.30. Thank you for joining. Those of you on Facebook Live, those of you on, on YouTube, and those of you that are going to listen to this or watch this later on, thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. You know that famous line, when you point a finger to someone, or maybe two fingers to someone, they're actually three fingers pointing back at you. Every time you pick on someone's character traits, you highlight someone's wrong actions or things they've said wrong or, you know, we're very quick, we're very quick to point out the wrong in someone else. Highlight the wrongdoing, what they've done wrong. But when you point a finger or two fingers to someone else, you're actually pointing three back at yourself because what you're seeing in someone else is in fact a mirror of yourself. The Baal Shem Tov, the holy Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidic thought, actually says that. The founder of the Baal Shem Tov actually says that the reason why God is showing this to you, the reason why you're seeing the wrongdoing in someone else, is because God is trying to send you a message. And in order to send you that message, he's highlighting the wrongdoing in someone else. And when you see someone else's wrongdoing, when you see someone else speaking wrongly, doing wrongly, acting wrongly, the Baal Shem Tov says it's God actually trying to send you a message. He's trying to tell you, maybe you've done something wrong along the way. You're seeing it in someone else because... That's his way of delivering the message to you. 
That's where the line comes from, is pointing fingers to someone else. You're pointing three fingers back because what you're seeing in someone else is in fact a mirror. Is in fact a mirror of yourself. We're going to unpack this today. That's the theme of today's class. When someone else is a mirror of yourself. It ties into the parasha as the title of this series is called Practical Parasha. To apply the parasha to our practical lives. The series is called Practical Parasha. This is very practical. This is a story of Noah. Noah after the flood. We know that Noah after the flood gets off the ark. He's now a free man. He can get off the ark. He's safe together with his family and the animals that come with him. And the very first thing that Noah does after he comes off the ark is he plants a vineyard. And he takes the fruits of the vineyard, the grapes, and he makes wine. And the verse says that Noah became drunk. It was a terrible scene. How the high have fallen. How the mighty have fallen. Noah, ish tzaddik, he was a righteous man. And now what was left of him? A drunkard man. That's a whole different discussion. How a mighty man like Noah, how a righteous man like Noah can fall like that. How is that possible? But nonetheless, there he is lying drunk. And Ham comes in. His son Ham. He had three sons. Shem, Ham and Yefet. Ham comes in and he sees his father lying naked. He sees his father lying naked. A terrible, terrible scene. He calls Shem and Yefet, his two sons. Look, look, dad lying naked. What a scene I've seen. Look what, what, look what we've seen. Our father's lying naked. And the verse says, They walked in with their backs to their father. They didn't want to see their father's nakedness. They didn't want to see their father's embarrassment. And their faces were turned away. They didn't see their father's nakedness. So Ham saw his father naked. Ham saw his father degraded and embarrassed. Shem and Yefet didn't do that. They turned away their faces. So this triggers the discussion. Do we notice the wrongdoing of someone else? Are we quick to notice the wrongdoing of someone else? Or, like Ham, Ham walks into the room and he sees his father naked. He's quick to see the nakedness of his father. Or, are we like Shem and Yefet? Rather not see it. You know, the famous Baditchever. Everyone knows the famous stories of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Baditchev. Why is he so famous? Because he always saw the good in someone else. He always saw the good in someone else. He never was able to see negativity in someone else. That's a character trait. So let's get back to the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov says, seeing someone else's wrongdoing is in fact a message from God to me. Look inside yourself. This could be a mirror of yourself. The question is, 
Is this the only way that God can send me a message? If I'm doing wrong, then why not highlight it in a different way? Send me a message to tell me I'm doing wrong. Why must you highlight the wrongdoing in someone else in order to send me that message, right? Pointing fingers at someone else to send me the message. Why must that be the way? What does the Baal Shem Tov mean? That every time I see bad in someone else is to highlight something within me. So simply speaking, we are biased. We are subjective. If God were to send me a message, I wouldn't listen. Because I'll, I'll always justify it. So wrongdoing will never be seen as wrongdoing. Because me, I don't do anything wrong. I was justified. I was justified in what I said. I was justified in what I did. I was justified. I had full reason to do it. And I did nothing wrong. So God would never be able to send me a message to highlight wrongdoing. Because I'm never wrong. Chazal, our rabbis, our, our rabbis tell us, Adam Korov al Atzmoy, a person is close to himself. We're too subjective. The love of oneself covers over the wrongdoing. The love of oneself covers over the, our wrongdoing. And therefore, God needs to find another way. How to catch our attention. How to wake us up and smell the coffee. That actually what we're doing is wrong. Says the Baal Shem Tov, when you see someone else's negativity, and that's never covered over. We never cover over someone else's negativity. We're quick to highlight the bad in them. So when you highlight the bad in them, ah, suddenly you stop and you realize, hold on, if that's bad, then maybe what I'm doing is bad too. And then the, the wheels start turning. And then the process of self-introspection kicks in. Because now that I've highlighted the negative, I'm able to process it. The problem is that generally we're not able to highlight the negative. You know, the, the rabbis teach us that Half of, a, of, a, of, of healing, half of a remedy, is first diagnosing the problem. First you have to know what's wrong. Once we know what's wrong, we can then move forward. The issue is that with ourselves, we never know what's wrong. We're too subjective. So we never know what's wrong. When we see the wrong in someone else, ah, now we've highlighted something wrong. And then we can translate that back into our own lives, as the Baal Shem Tov says, and realize that what we're seeing in someone else is in fact a mirror of myself. But is that always the case? Every time I see wrong in someone else, it's a sign of my wrongdoing? Is that actually true? Surely, there's more reason why I'm seeing the wrong in someone else. Maybe I'm seeing the wrong in someone else because it's my duty 
to correct them. Could that be? Take, for example, Shem and Yefet, the sons of Noach. What do they do when they heard they didn't want to see it? When they heard that their father was naked, it was their job to cover their father. Maybe we're seeing the wrong in someone else in order to help them. I see someone who gets angry too often. They've got an anger issue. Maybe my job is to go up to them and say, let me help you through this. Let me highlight something that's going wrong in your conduct, in your behavior. You're, you're, you're getting too angry too quickly. Or someone who's speaking inappropriately. And you hear them speaking inappropriately. Maybe it's your role to go up to them and say, your language, perhaps you can refine your language a little bit better, a little bit more. We know, call Yisrael, Aredim, Zebazet. All of the Jewish people, all of mankind, all of humankind, are dependent on one another. We're responsible for one another. When we see wrongdoing, it's our job to highlight it to them and to correct them and to help them through it. Not to criticize. Criticism doesn't go too far. Constructive criticism. Help them through the process of growing and becoming a better person. Of correcting wrongdoing. So here's a question. If I'm seeing the wrongdoing, is it a sign, a mirror of my wrongdoing myself, as the Baal Shem Tov says? We're pointing the fingers at someone else and it's actually fingers pointing back at me. Is it a sign that I've got the wrongdoing inside of me? That's how we started the discussion today. Or perhaps it's not a sign of, or mirror of my behavior. Perhaps it's a lesson or a message to me. It's your job to go help them. It's your job to correct them. Go up to them and discuss it. Obviously in a calm, mature, sensitive way. But it's your job to correct them. So which one is it? It could be both. It could be one or the other. How am I supposed to know which one it is? We're so quick to notice the wrongdoing in someone else. But now the question is, why am I seeing it? What does God want from me right now? He could want two options. There's two things that could be happening right now. Either he wants me to go after the individual and correct them. The truth is, I think that's always the case. Go point it out. If you think you can be successful. If you know them well enough, perhaps. Or not, depending on the circumstance. So does he want me to go after them? Or is it really an indication of what I'm doing wrong? Maybe there's something within me that's not right. Fascinating question, hey? We're going to try to unpack this. But before I go on, I want to welcome you all. Those of you that have tuned in on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, to our new series, A Practical Parasha. As I mentioned, I'm not going to greet people personally this time around because I do want to hold on to these recordings on a video and audio level 
for later people for people to listen later but i would love to address questions or comments so feel free to post your comments or questions um, on either youtube or facebook i'd love to read them out and interact with you and answer your questions along the way if you're comfortable to do that i'd love that okay great so let's park that conversation for a moment we're going to come back to that in a, in, in, in a moment okay how to interpret the wrongdoing that we're seeing in someone else i want to address another discussion that features in this week's torah portion too we spoke about noah after the flood but let's talk about now noah before the flood Noah is getting ready. Noah is getting ready for the table. He's building the table. And God tells him to prepare animals to take with him into the table, into the ark. Kosher animals, non-kosher animals. Now, the wording that the Torah uses here is picked up by the commentaries by the Talmud. When the Torah defines the kosher animals and the non-kosher animals, the Torah actually has an interesting terminology. The Hebrew wording for a kosher animal is behemah ha It's a pure kosher animal. The Hebrew wording for a non-kosher animal, I'm not saying the biblical text, the, the, the Hebrew wording, the modern Hebrew wording that we would use is behemah hatemeah. Tmeah meaning impure. Tehora, pure, kosher. Tmeah, impure, non-kosher. But that's not the wording that the Torah chooses. What does the Torah say? Behemah asher einena tehora. Those are the animals that are not kosher. The animals that are not kosher. And the Talmud asks the question, why such an indirect terminology that animals that are not kosher? There's a, there's a one word for that. It's called tmeah. It's the impure animal. That's the Hebrew word for it. Why is a Torah using such an indirect terminology, an animal that is not tahara, not, not kosher, number one? And number two, if you actually count the lettering, there's extra lettering here. And we know that every letter is precise in the Torah. Every letter is precise. Why must we add on eight extra letters to create such a phrase, the animal that is not tahara, that is not pure? You could have just said, Behema hatamea. It's the animal that is impure. And from here the Talmud learns, Le'olam forever, eternally, al-yotzi adam davar megunet mepiv. The Talmud Psachim says, from here we learn, a person should never speak with vulgar terminology, negatively, inappropriately. Don't use coarse language. How do you know? Because the Torah did not want to use the word impure. Tmea. Why? Because it's not an edel word. It's not a refined word. Edel in Yiddish means refined. It's not a refined word. It's not appropriate to speak this way. Can you imagine? Impure. Gosh, imagine. I don't think the Talmud knows our vocabulary. We've got a much more coarse and vulgar vocabulary today. 
But in those days, the word Hatimaya, impure, was inappropriate, was distasteful, was vulgar. And so the Torah did not want to use such a terminology, and therefore it added on eight extra letters to tell us the words Asher Einena Tehorah, the animals that are not pure, just in order to teach us how to speak properly, how to speak in a refined manner, in an appropriate manner, that our words should be chosen and appropriate. That's what the Talmud says in Pesachim. But the question is, and the Talmud asks this question, the question is, really? Do you want to tell me that the Torah never uses the word Tamei ever in the entire Torah? Impure? If that was true, I get it. You don't want to word, use the word Hatamea, I understand. You prefer to say an animal that is not kosher, I get that. But the word Tamei is used many, many times. More than a hundred times in the Torah. Search it. I'm not sure the exact number, but more than a hundred times. You can search it. How many times does it say Tamei or Tamea in the Torah? It's, it's over a hundred times. And the Torah uses the word impure. So something's wrong here. We're not being consistent. The Talmud is saying that the Torah in Pashat Noach is so specific about the terminology because it wants to teach us how to speak properly. And yet, over a hundred times elsewhere in the Torah, it uses the word Tmea or Tameh. Why is that? So what's the rule? Can we make a rule here? Is there, a, is there a rule about when the Torah can say the word impure and when the Torah can't say the word impure? That's the question. And the answer is there's a major difference. There's a major difference in the context. If the context of the verse is instruction... Halacha, the way to behave, you've got to spell it out clearly. Imagine telling a child, not your child, but another child, who's trying drugs. And you need to, 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 to persuade them differently. And you need to instruct them, you may not do that. Imagine not spelling it out because you don't want to sell It's too harsh. You don't, you don't want to tell them directly, you may not take drugs or you may not drink alcohol underage. You're too afraid. So what do you say indirectly? You know the alcoholic beverages that are sold in stores? They are harmful. People who drink them or take them could be in danger. Boy, oh boy, by the time you get going through this story, they ain't listening anymore. You've lost them. You've got 30 seconds to tell them your instruction. 30 seconds to tell them what they're doing wrong. You've got to hit the nail on the head and say, drugs are dangerous for you. You may not or should not take them. You are, are underage. You may not be drinking this alcohol. Okay, you want to explain it to them? You can do that afterwards. But now's your moment. You've got 30 seconds, 45 seconds to instruct them. That's your time. That's their concentration span. 
After that, they're out of here. You've got to say it clearly. And so when the Torah gives a psak about animals that are kosher and not kosher, what you may eat, what you not may eat, when it's a psak, when it's clear, the Torah says tameh. Even though you may say that tameh is a vulgar word, it's an inappropriate word, we don't want to say impure. But when it comes to action, you've got to say it. Say it as it is. Because without that, you're not going to solve the problem. You've got to be quick. And so when the Torah is saying a psak halacha, he says it clearly. When the Torah is saying a narrative, a story, where there's no psak halacha, there's no direct instruction, like the story of Noah bringing animals into the teva, it's just a story. It's not really. There's no psak, there's no halacha, there's no direct instruction. It's Noah collecting the animals. There, the Torah chooses not to use the word tmei'ah, impure, or tamei. Because I'd rather not. So what I choose to say, I share einena tehorah, that which is not pure, which we can interpret to mean impure. And that's the difference. And so sometimes the Torah will say the word tamei, and sometimes the, word, the Torah will not say the word tamei, which is interesting because it shows us that when it comes to the choice of words and how to speak, there's different tones for different circumstances, different vocabulary for different circumstances. I'm not saying that vulgar terminology or vulgar language is ever permissible, but you see from the Torah that the choice of wording, it depends on the circumstance. Sometimes it will use the word Tameh and sometimes it won't. Now, this story of the terminology of the kosher or unkosher animal will actually help us appreciate the first point of discussion about when we see someone else, wrongdoing in someone else. Is it a mirror of myself? Or is it just an opportunity for me to correct them? And the answer is, what am I seeing? When I see the wrongdoing in them, what am I seeing? What do you mean? Let's unpack that. What am I seeing? When I see the wrongdoing, am I seeing an opportunity for me to help someone else? Am I seeing a calling from God to say, you noticed that or you saw that because Hashem wants you to help them and correct them? In other words, it's a moment of instruction. Now's your time. You saw this in them? Try and sort it out. You saw the wrongdoing? Go after them and discuss it with them. That's one scenario where you see the wrongdoing and you know that you have to act. But often that's not the case. Often we don't see that. Often it's a narrative. It's a I see the wrong in someone else because now I've got some juicy gossip. Now I've got some Losh and Hara Losh, you know? When I go for coffee with my friend, oh boy, am I going to tell them this juicy piece of news that I heard or saw about someone else. Now suddenly it's not an instruction. It's not an instruction how to solve the problem or to do something or to fix the problem. You've now got juice. You've got a story to tell. Ah, can you imagine? I saw, I saw it happening. I saw him and her together at the coffee shop. Or I saw this and this taking place. You know what my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, my mother-in-law, or my nephew or niece did? Let me tell you of a cup of coffee. It's no longer 
a psak or a halacha or something for you to solve. It's a juicy narrative. It's a juicy story. And suddenly now, we have to ask the question, why did you see that? Why did God show you that? Surely it wasn't just to fix the situation because you didn't, you didn't just see the situation as it is. Surely it's a mirror of yourself. If you saw it in such a way that it creates losh, it creates a topic of conversation, it becomes a news of your next door neighbor, that's a message, says Val Shem Tov, then in fact, it's lying within you. If it's just, if, if your awareness of it is just, it instigates and motivates you to correct them, then that's not what the Baal Shem Tov is talking about. And it's not what the fingers, you know, the story of the fingers, that's not what it's talking about. Because God does send us messages to help someone else. But if we get so involved in the narrative and we enjoy that piece of juicy news, that juicy news, says the Baal Shem Tov, you know why you saw that piece of juicy news? You know why you saw that moment, that wrongdoing? Is God sending you a message. He can't send you the message directly because you're subjective and you wouldn't accept it. So he showed it to you in someone else. And you interpreted in such a way that you're so excited about the news you saw in someone else. Stop for a moment and realize. You know why you're so excited about that? Because in fact, it's a mirror of your own. You've got that inside of you. If we can just take that lesson and live with that in our lives, rather see the wrongdoing in someone else to solve their problem. Don't see the wrongdoing in someone else to celebrate that wrongdoing because then the Baal Shem Tov says it's in fact a mirror of something you're doing wrong. And the truth is, it all depends on the moment and all depends on the situation, all depends on the interpretation. And we, each one of us can ask ourselves, how am I responding to this? If I'm responding in an action, proactive way of helping them, fantastic. That's why God showed it to you. But if I'm responding in such a way that it's irritating me or bothering me or instigating a narrative or a discussion, I've got to stop for a moment and think about the words of the Baal Shem Tov. And think about the fact that when I'm pointing fingers to them, it's in fact a reflection of myself and God telling me, You've got areas that need to be refined and corrected. So, thanks for joining us. We've reached 9.30. Thanks for joining us this morning on our first session of Practical Parsha. Thank you to those of you that have greeted me on, or greeted us all on YouTube and Facebook and shared your greetings in morning greetings. We'll be back here Wednesday morning next week, 9 o'clock. I invite you to join us and be part of the conversation as we unpack the weekly parasha and apply it practically to our own lives. Wishing you a wonderful day ahead.